touchdown. Yeah, they emptied the backfield. They're going to throw it, and Bryant slanted inside, caught it, touchdown. Trojans in the fourth quarter going for two. Start. Looking left, now back middle. Gonna throw and he got it there. What a play, Jackson Dart. And guess who? Guess Lake McCree. McCree. Jackson Dart on fourth down. Will throw the slant. It is caught. The tackle, though. I think they stopped him short. What a great tackle. USC got the completion, but they did not get the first down. Caleb Hayes got Bryant to the ground. All hands off, straight ahead, and touchdown! Jackson McChesney! Nice the bench in a huge spot. Welcome into your Cougar post-game show. BYU beats USC 35-31 to cap a 10-win season for the Cougars. Jake Hatch, Hans Olsen, recapping it for you guys here on this Cougar post-game show. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there. And Hans, what a win for the Cougars. It's a good win, man. Uh, and it was a really good game. Yes. A lot of action, a lot of fun. You know, all your big names had big performances. Algier had a big performance. Jaron Hall, 280 yards. Jackson Dart was fantastic, 250 yards. Had a lot of great plays and... USC found a run game, even without Ingram. They found a run game, and they got things going. But, Jake, there were so many working parts in this game, so many working parts. And the area that we really need to start and focus on, because I think it's what really ended up winning this game, was the trench for BYU in in critical moments. I'm not saying they won the game all night long. I'm not saying that this was four quarters of dominance from BYU's lines, both offensive and defensive lines. But you saw how many times, and and you saw just rewinding it, looking back, rewinding it, looking back. I looked at every position multiple times. And every once in a while, you'd see leaks. You'd see guys get cut on the angle. But when you needed a huge stop, you had Atanai Samahe, who was able to fight off a, a wash block, Correct. get back into a gap, and stop a cutback by Malpei, which was incredible. You had a, a young guy and, and a guy that's had to really step up since Barrington went down with injury, and, and I think that Kime has kind of beat Barrington out too. I think that, that it was a close race, but but you saw Kime with a beautiful wash down block mm-hmm. that allowed a, a young Jackson McChesney to find the end zone. Uh, we saw big-time blocks by Dallin Holker. We saw big-time blocks um, by Connor Pay. Uh, Correct. It, it, and then we saw a, a huge stop there on fourth down to end this game by Hayes, uh, one of the DBs for BYU. Who so, had a really nice game, by the way. Caleb Hayes, he, can't really, he had some nice pass breakups in this game, very good in coverage, and he gets the biggest stop of the game to seal the win. I thought that the DBs did okay in this game. For a USC team that would much rather throw the ball than run the ball, they were kind of forced to run the ball, and then they found some success running the ball. But um, So you had multiple, multiple guys in the trench do really great things, and I was impressed by them. I'll, I'll also mention I hadn't seen this guy play much this year, but number 94, John Nelson, yep. playing at the defensive end position, 
had a batted ball in the first half of that game to get the uh, defense off the field. But then, you know, we saw a lot of big mistakes. I, I saw one of the biggest mistakes I've seen from Jaron Hall as a BYU Cougar. Throwing in a double coverage in that end zone. Um, you know, you've got a uh, – you basically you've set up a full run offense. You've got one route that's run deep. You've got two deep safeties. USC is, is covering that deep ball. And for one reason or the other, Jaron decides to let that thing fly to Puka Nakua. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't absolutely hate his decision to let it fly. It, no, it's not the best decision. Probably should have tucked it. Probably should have taken the sack. It was a, I think it was a second down. You would have lived to fight for a third down. It, but you let that thing fly. If you're going to throw it, throw it deep. Yeah. Overthrow the route. Do not underthrow the route. He underthrew the route, and, and it ended up in USC's hands and made things a lot more interesting than they needed to be. Um, it wasn't uh, too long before that that he dropped a 54-yard bomb right into the pocket of Keanu Hill. It was one of the more impressive passes I've seen from Jaron, and then that interception was one of the worst decisions I've seen from Jaron. So – it's all over the board. You know, some of the analysis of this game, it's all over the board with bad mistakes, big plays, great moments, terrible moments. For instance, Jaron Hall knows that his screener is getting locked up by a defensive end. Yep. Tyler Algier gets caught up, and it's supposed to be a screen. Jaron knows that he's got to ditch that to the feet of the defender in, into the path of, of that screener. Instead, he starts to float back, and, and look, we're not in his body, so we don't know his balance. We don't know where his mind was, but you are taught to ditch that into the feet of the screener if the screener's covered up. And I know people thought, oh, well, that offensive line, it's leaky. No, offensive line was letting their D-line come through because offensive line was setting up a wedge block off a screen. And instead of Jaron ditching it, he ended up kind of lobbing it out out of bounds and ended up with a with a um, intentional grounding, correct? Yes, which put them in a really bad situation. It took them out of field goal range and they had to punt on that drive. Really bad situation. Yeah. But then you see these amazing moments, you know, excellent moments. A couple of touchdown runs by Tyler Algier that were spectacular. Um, one of them was a lot of Tyler Algier just breaking tackles and spinning through tackles. The other one was BYU's offensive line creating a path that a Mack truck could have run through. Yep. So a couple of big runs and big moments by Tyler Algier and some really great blocking. But BYU, I, I, was, I was impressed with the resilience on that defensive stop. Jake, everybody wants to pile on Ituiaki, but when you needed a defensive stop, his defense bowed up and they got the stop. And there was a moment there where I thought it wasn't looking so good. Mm-hmm. And BYU's defense bowed up and got the stop. So, you know, I think that a lot of credit needs to go to Elisa Tuyaki. And let's also acknowledge the fact that this USC team, I know they have a lackluster record. That's a team that's got a lot of talent. Jackson Dart, you and I throughout this game are waiting on him to look like the freshman that he is, and he never looked like that. He was making play after play. And I got to give credit to USC. 
they made BYU work for this win. They did not roll over in any way, shape, or form. They battled. Uh, the unfortunate part is their season is now down the drain in terms of bowl eligibility because they're going to sit at 5-7, and seven, and the Pac-12 rules stipulate that no 5-7 and seven team will be able to get bowl eligible. They have that as their rule in the conference. So i, I got to give credit to USC, but BYU is now 10-2 and two on the season. They have 10-plus wins for two straight years, hands. Last time that happened was... 2008-2009. It has been a hot minute since BYU has put together back-to-back 10-win seasons. And then, and it's this 10-win season was, of course, much more impressive than last year's 10-win season sure. with the teams that they beat. Uh, you've got the Pac-12 South champion that's going to be playing for a Pac-12 championship. You've just dominated the Pac-12 going 5-0 and and beating some of the best in the South. And you know, the to me, that's extremely impressive. Yep. Beating a, a Virginia team that is not just beating them, but thumping them, embarrassing them, putting up more – I think it was more points than anybody's put up against a Bronco Mendenhall defense. I think it might have been more yards. I, I think it was just points. I can't remember if it was yards, yards or points. It's got to be right up there if not. But thumping yeah. Bronco Mendenhall and the ACC Virginia Cavaliers and then – taking the Pac-12 to task, it, it's been a really impressive year. And a lot of that goes back to what they were able to do offensively. I, I know I was just giving Itsuyaki some credit for his defense getting that stop to finish this game off. Mm-hmm. But this game, this team was largely built upon its offense, which goes back to Aaron Roderick and Fessy Sataki. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the two that I put the, the heaviest amount of weight on. And then you've got guys, minds like Steve Clark, and Steve Clark's an underrated coach. And Coach Funk, who came in to take over this offensive line, I, I think has has done a good job just kind of you know keeping on the path with the talent that they had. And Aaron Roderick's offense has carried the bulk of the load against these Power 5 teams and to get to this 10-win season. Uh, let me get this out, out of the way right now. If you guys would like to call in with your post-game thoughts, please do so. 855-340-ZONE, 340-9663. Love to have you guys on air with Hans and I recapping this win for BYU. But Hans, I, I think what you mentioned right there, when BYU's defense needed to step up, they did it. And also this offense, when uh, that as you mentioned earlier on, when Jaron Hall went deep on that, threw it into double coverage, and got intercepted, BYU before that had been running the ball extremely well. Well, what did they go back to on that game-winning drive? They went back to the ground game. And by the way, Jackson McChesney, we need to give a tip of the cap to that young man. He came in cold off the bench and caps that drive off with three very nice runs, including the touchdown run. Yeah, 17 yards for Jackson following his blockers and, and also powering through some some bad tackle attempts. You know, we we need to keep it in perspective that USC is one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. They they are not a good rushing defense. Coming into this game, USC was giving up 173 yards a game on the ground. That put them 96th in the country out of 130. And BYU goes over that season average at 190 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. As you mentioned, McChesney, with three carries for 17 yards in that touchdown that was so impressive. Tyler Algier, 21 carries for 103 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Algier took some heavy shots, and I think he got the wind knocked out of him at least once, if not twice. 
and he fumbled the ball three times. Mm-hmm. All three were recovered by BYU. One of them was actually picked up by Holker and advanced about 15 or 20 22 yards. 22 yards, actually, officially for Holker. And that what a what a fortuitous play that was, because that's on that final drive where BYU got the touchdown. Holker had that ball literally land at his feet. He scoops it up. Huge. Everybody else stopped and starts trucking downfield, gets 22 yards. What a play that was. It, it, very heads-up play by Holker to be able to just scoop that thing up and, and some awareness to advance it. It was bizarre how that ball just squirted out the bottom part of Algiers' arms. Yes. And on film, it was really hard to see where that ball popped out. They didn't even review it, so mm-hmm. you know it while it was while he was still on his feet. And um, as you mentioned, that ended up turning into seven points, seven critical points for BYU. But Jaron Hall had nine carries for 26 yards. He was able to get out of the pocket a little bit. And, you know, I think that Keanu Hill was your receiver of choice. He he had a, a spectacular game kind of all around, leading the receivers four catches for 72 yards and a touchdown and a couple of big-time receptions in, in critical needs. Dallin Hoker was very consistent as a receiver tonight. Mm-hmm. And I felt like man, there were a lot of offensive mistakes, a lot. Sure. I, you know, um, I will tell you the first Jaron Hall interception, this is always a tough one to to try to clear up because unless you really know the play call and you know the option route or you know the design route, you don't know if it was Jaron Hall throwing an out route while uh, Samson Nakua was running a dig or Samson Nakua running a dig when he was supposed to run, to run an, an out route. Yeah, we don't know so who was wrong on you, that. Yeah, you don't know where to place the blame. Um, the way Nakua kind of pointed to the out route, I felt like he was pointing back like, yeah, that was I was supposed to run that out route. So I, I don't know who was in the wrong there, but that ended up being an interception because Jaron threw the out route. It kind of tipped up off the DB. Correct. Or, and, it, and it ended up in, what was it, the safety's hands? Mm-hmm. Safety came up and got it. So – that was another uh, big mistake and, and, a, and a miscommunication between your receiver and your quarterback that you just can't have. And um, that really kept USC in the game because I think they scored three points off that interception. They did, yeah. They, they got the three points. Uh, that opened the scoring, actually, in this game. USC took the 3 nothing lead uh, on that drive. They went down the field and got the field goal. But overall, BYU gets the win. They're now 10-2 and on the season. As I mentioned, love for you guys to call in with your guys' postgame thoughts. Please do so. Uh, we're going to uh, go out to uh, – we'll get, let's get one phone call in here real quick before we go. Let's get out to Brady, who's been uh, waiting on the line. Brady, what's up? Hey, Brady. Um, what's that? Baylor coach, keep him at a 10-year contract, and then – what a dog fight tonight. I'm not going to dog on the defense. I know that we have about four guys out tonight on defense. And then one more thing, Hans, one more time this year. The U will not be lit up next Friday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brady. Got to get that one in. Uh, Brady, good stuff right there. And, you know, we, we have talked at length about Kalani Sataki and his contract, and, and I'm sure BYU fans are probably worn down on it, but you're right. If Tom Homo's smart, he'll make a real play because being 5-0 and against um, the five Pac-12 teams that you played, mm-hmm. and you've got two of the biggest premier positions open in the Pac-12 
with Washington and USC. You've got to imagine that one of those teams is going to make a play at a coach that just won 21 games over the last two years and went 5-0 and against the Pac-12. So you've got to imagine it. And if you don't get in front of it, then you absolutely could lose the coach that has brought you so much fortune, so many wins over the last two years. So that's a good point. And I will tell you, Brady, it was a dogfight. It was a dogfight. It was it was more of a dogfight than I thought. It was pretty close to the prediction I had. I was just one touchdown off with BYU. I thought maybe they'd put up seven more points. But that comes down to I thought Jackson Dart was going to make a mistake. And I was just waiting for that young freshman to make a mistake. And he didn't. And his family should be proud. That was a, a fantastic game by Jackson. Very well played to not throw an interception uh, on a season where, you know, through I, I don't know how many games he's played, but he's got five picks on the year. And, um, you know, there were there were multiple times in that game I thought, oh, this is where he's going to throw the pick or this is where he's going to fumble it, and he didn't. So that was a really nice night by Jackson Dart to to keep that ball security tight. Yeah, that, that's the thing about it. Uh, one thing we also need to acknowledge – uh, hoping that Isaac Rex is going to be okay. That was a pretty gnarly ankle injury, it looked like, as he went up for that uh, pass in the first half and came down. Okay, he dislocated his ankle, and uh, the coaching staff was out there kind of comforting him. He was carted off the field, uh, hoping that he will be okay, but did not look good for that young man. There's a lot of injuries. BYU's very beat up right now, Hans. Very beat up. Uh, so with that, with that ankle dislocation, the way they were resetting it or pulling it back into to relocate it, that tells me that there weren't any fractures or breaks, but that's still going to stretch ligaments out, and that ankle is going to swell up like a balloon. But it, it, at least I feel like it's not broken. And, yet, yeah, I don't think there's going to be enough time in between. It, it feels like, Jake, after that performance, it feels like the Independence Bowl – is probably still the option. Sure. But I think it's fine for BYU fans to hold out hope. Even I'm holding out a little bit of hope still that ESPN will work their magic, that the Big 12 will want one of their new shiny toys to be in the New Year's Six Bowl and and somehow Bob Bowlesby and the Big 12 try to maneuver to something. Finesse and maneuver. Yeah. But – I would like to see them get that New Year's Six opportunity, but with the with the win that we just saw tonight, it, it does feel like BYU is more headed for that Independence Bowl. Yeah, it's it's it seems that way, and we'll find out. Obviously, that you you need probably some help for New Year's Six possibility, but I'm with you. It wouldn't surprise me to see ESPN with a ten and two team, BYU likely to be sitting. At worst, they're not going to drop in the polls. They're dropping those college football playoff rankings. They're going to be sitting at 13 at minimum if they don't move up at some point. But uh, let's get one more phone call in here before we take our first break. Let's get out to Jack. He's been waiting patiently. Jack, what's up? Hey, good to talk to you guys tonight. Um, the only thing that I feel like is worth mentioning here is 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 12:35 or 12:45 too late for Tom? in this athletic department to, to make an announcement about Kalani. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the next two minutes, I better see something. Don't know if you guys are on the same page or, or I'm the only one that feels that, though. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, 
I'm I'm glad to see BYU fans kind of coming around on this, and and you know I've always felt like the sensible BYU fans kind of understood where I was coming from, but you know I always got some pushback saying, well they've already paid him, they've already extended him. Why would you extend him? You just extended him last year. It's just the way college football is right now, and it's the way you retain your coaches. It's the way you make them feel loved, and the way you keep them around. And 21 wins over a two-year period and going 5-0 and against the Pac-12. You're going to want to make sure that you nail that one down. So to that caller's point, it would be nice to see an announcement. I'm not expecting it tonight. So, Jack, just as you said that, I looked down on my Twitter feed, and Tom Homo tweets out, Good night, Cougar Nation. Sweet dreams. Blue heart. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe there's probably not an announcement coming uh, ASAP, but yeah. I'm with you. I'm glad to see, I think, that uh, – BYU fans are coming around understanding, okay, there there is going to be sharks in the water, to use that expression, circling Kalani yeah. Satake, trying to pick him off. Yep. And program BYU just beat could be very well one of those programs who takes a long and hard look at the man that was on the opposite sideline tonight. So it's going to be expensive, you know, um, and I'm sure Tom Homo is having a good night where his basketball team gets a win over their rival and his football team gets a win in the Coliseum against USC. But um, I don't think it's it's a time to say goodnight. I think it's a time to get on your computer start working some numbers. They, they, they've got to figure something out. There's no doubt about it because they can't just stand pat. We, we, we'll see uh, other programs coming in and offering Kalani obscene amounts of money relative, let's be honest. The, the, the money that's flying around in college football right now, Hans, some big money contracts out there. I don't necessarily think that Kalani's going to get what we see Mel Tucker sign for with 10 years, $95 million, but there's going to be some money out there that to be had, and Kalani Satake's name could be at the top of some of those lists. Oh, man, BYU's got a big task in front of them to retain Kalani. Yeah, it's do. a big task, and they've got to come up with a lot of money. And, I, and, and I've said this many, many times. It's not as much about money as it is about years. If you want to make him happy, give him a lot of years and then increase his coaching assistant pool. Mm-hmm. And and you should be okay there. But let's jump back into this game. Yeah. Get back into the, the – So the, let, let's the take a time out here. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. We're efforting audio from down there in L.A. Mitch Harper from KSLSports.com down there. Uh, hoping he can get us audio. Let's take a time out here. We'll reset a little bit. I uh, would love for you guys to weigh in with your thoughts. This is the Cougar Post Game Show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Feel free to call in with your thoughts. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. I also do need to take a minute here in hands and highlight our two great sponsors of the Cougar Post Game Show. That is our friends at JCW's. Of course, we were down there uh, getting food in the pregame and always appreciate them taking care of us, our home away from home. But also, we are brought to you in the Cougar Post Game Show by our friends over at TryDayTrading.com. Really cool concept here that Ryan and the crew over there at Triday Trading have done. They essentially just want to help you supplement your income. That's what, that's what their overarching goal is. Yeah, fantastic food at JCW's. I was able to catch a burger and, and some of their chili cheese fries, and I, I got that favorite shake of mine. Yeah. You know, sometimes – it's always the chocolate, banana, peanut butter. The Will, chocolate the Will ice Snowden. cream. Yep, chocolate ice cream, banana, and peanut butter. And then sometimes I'll add a little bit of brownie or a little bit of cookie dough. But JCW's is always a great meal. Fantastic burgers, classic burgers. And then, like you mentioned, try day trading. $10 is all it takes. And you can try out the entire system for 30 days. That's trydaytrading.com. 
All right, more in a moment. This is your Cougar Post Game Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. This Down and four. Another play fake. Pressure comes. Hall throws deep to the end zone. It is good. Touchdown. Keanu Hill right past the hand of a defender. 41 yards. BYU touchdown. Welcome back to your Cougar Post Game Show here on the Zone Sports Network. Jake Hatch, Hans Olsen, recapping 35 to 31 victory for BYU. They capped the regular season with a 10-2 record in hands. BYU has a really funny thing of how you look at the season. They start the season 5-0. Then they lose to Boise State and Baylor in back-to-back weeks. They go 0-2, and then they cap the season off with another 5-0 run to finish the season. Just kind of how funny how you look at how the season broke down. Yeah. 5-0, 0-2, 5-0. Impressive yep. finish. And a bummer that they suffered a loss against Boise State. Those turnovers just killed them in that game. But – being able to recover and put together five wins to finish this thing off, it is really impressive for, for this entire staff and this entire team. Some critical moments in this game too, Jake. You know, um, I wanted to go back really quickly to the first half of this game. Yeah. Just to show you how there, there's so many knuckleheads on that USC team that made some really dumb mistakes that cost them big time. One of the dumbest mistakes that ended up really costing them was an offsides penalty on a field goal attempt for yep. BYU. That put them into fourth and one. Mm-hmm. BYU opts instead of kicking the field goal or keeping the points on the board to then go for it on fourth and one, and that led to the Tyler Algier touchdown that made it 14-3 to for BYU. Big swing. So – you know, there were so many moments in this game that you could go back and you can look at those moments and you could say, geez, that's, that's a huge moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't even believe the guy jumped off sides. Like, I, I'm still struggling with the thought that he jumped off sides and allowed them to go for that on fourth. A lot of coaches wouldn't have gone for it. A lot of coaches stand by the rule, don't take points off the board. But I think that's a ridiculous rule. you got to go with what you feel. And BYU had done a really good job. And BYU has showed who they are on fourth down. They want to go for it on fourth. They do. And against USC, they were a little bit more traditional on fourth down plays, which was nice to see. No no throwback reverses, which I don't mind those from time to time because you've got to keep those defenses honest as well. But a really nice fourth down run ends up with a touchdown and a big moment. Uh, for for BYU, and that was followed up on the next drive by another touchdown run. Uh, USC's run defense is just horrible. It's not good. <laughs> 189 yards for BYU in this game, and that seems like a low number, honestly, just thinking about it. it USC's run defense is horrible, and I, I can't believe they've allowed it to get to that point. But, um, but still – uh, it, it really did take it really did take a, a heavy effort from BYU to go out there and take what was given to them and and I thought that they did a better job of taking advantage of what was giving given to them in the first half and then in the second half they t- were starting to take that away a little bit and I thought BYU did a good job of making those adjustments 
Yeah, they did, and that, that's the good news. Uh, funny thing is the final stats of this hands. Let's look at this real, for, real quick. Total yards, actually very balanced in this game. BYU finishes with 465 total yards. USC with 458 yards. So USC had nice output. They actually outrushed BYU, 210 yards to BYU's 189. Uh, Jaron Hall outdueled Jackson Dart. Hall finished with 276 yards. The two interceptions in the aforementioned two interceptions. Jackson Dart, 248 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. I got I think we need do need to give a tip of the cap to Jackson Dart. This is a true freshman making just his second career start, and he played like a pretty poised veteran out there. He's good. Four carries for 28 yards on a touchdown on the ground, too. He's really good. He's a, a pure athlete. Mm-hmm. He has the, the height and the size to take some shots. You know, 6'3", I bet he's probably 220 pounds would be my guess. Somewhere in that range. So big body that can take the shots. There was uh, one rushing play. In fact, was it the rushing touchdown, Jake, where – yeah, it was the rushing touchdown where he, he had a defender that hit him in the legs. Correct. I, I think it was Thule hit him in the legs, and he just kind of rolled off the hit. Thule tried to get him. He, he kind of escapes with his left foot uh, a little wrapped up. He actually escapes out and then scrambles in for the touchdown run. So kid can play. He can. And I – Felt like USC showed up more in this game than I'd seen them in the previous games that I've watched them. I've I've watched two other games that USC's played in, and I, I I mean, especially right out of the gates, they looked like they were hustling. They looked like they were interested in this game. And, you know, going back to that Utah-USC game, Utah blew USC out. They just ate them up, and they really – they largely ate them up um, through the air. Uh, Cam Rising ended up with nearly 310 or 320 yards in that game against USC and hit multiple receivers. And 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 I know that Utah's rushing game put up nearly 200 yards on them. And, and it didn't look like USC was as engaged as they were in this game from mm-hmm. the jump. And I, I don't know what it was that fueled it, but it looked like USC was interested in this game. They, they were, considering what we saw last week against UCLA where they just kind of played possum, it seemed like. They were just not into it last week. And I got to – you do have to give USC some credit because you're right. They were more engaged in this game. And there were – the interceptions thrown by Jaron Hall, I think, reinvigorated this team. But you could tell they were fighting. Uh-huh. This was a team they, – they were not content just to say, oh, let's just let's, – let's mail it in. They, they fought tooth and nail the entire way. And – that is actually a very good thing for BYU. This was a desperate team. They were fighting for bowl eligibility. They needed this win. They have to, they had to win their final two games. They had to win this week and obviously the rescheduled game against Cal next week to make it to bowl eligibility. And BYU fought through it all and, and gets the W. Last week, UCLA put up 610 yards yes. on them and put up 62 points on them. Yep. And it did look like USC was in their mind. They were thinking, well, we're not going to. And maybe it, it maybe it was that where I was talking about it in the pregame where these guys know that the head coaching search is on and they know that Kalani Sataki is a candidate and maybe an opportunity to put their skills on display. Maybe it was just having a little bit of pride. Maybe it was the fact that BYU always has a target on them. In some they, ways, they, yeah. They always have a target on them. I knew in whatever stadium we stepped into, I knew we were hated. I knew that teams wanted to beat us up. They wanted to make us look bad. They wanted to embarrass us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that, that's probably the world of college football, but it always felt like there was some religious undertone. 
and some religious mockery, and <clears throat> and you heard the chants. Oh yeah, we heard them loud that, and clear. That kicked up in that in that coliseum. You know, it's amazing in the world where we're so ultra sensitive mm -hmm. about race and religion and orientation, and an entire crowd can sit there and and chant what they chanted. Yeah. They're... So, oh, okay. So I guess that's okay. Uh -huh. Interesting. Um, but you know, it's water off a duck's back. BYU goes out there and do, does what they do, which is 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 get a big win. And shove it back down their throats. Make them all shut up. Get on a plane and come home with the W. And that, that's, that, that's exactly what they did. All right, uh, Gary's been waiting patiently on the phone line, so let's get it out, let's get out to him. I uh, want to remind you guys, if you want to call in with your thoughts, please do so. 855-340-ZONE. That's 855-340-9663. Let us know what you guys are making of this game. Let's throw it out to Gary. Gary, how are you? Good, guys. Great win tonight. Doesn't matter how... Uh, how far down the pole the USC is this year. We went in there into the Coliseum, smacked around some five-star recruits, and we came out with a, with a win. And this is the culmination, I think, of independence football. This is what Tom Homo was, was looking at 10, 12 years ago, putting these schedules together and, and letting BYU uh, play some of, some of the greatest names in college football. We, this has been an incredible year, and and I'm excited to be a Cougar fan. I think Kalani, in, in the last two or three years with what he's done in, with recruiting, has, has helped get BYU to a point where they can compete and beat some of the best teams in the country, uh, some of the top 20 teams in the country. And I'm excited about it. I'm a little worried about the depth of the Cougars. Like I think Jaron Hall, you know, looking at the quarterback situation, going to, who's going to the NFL, he may decide to go give it a run in the NFL. Probably a good year for him to do that because the the draft pool is probably not going to be very deep for QBs. And I want to get actually get Hans' take on that. If what's what's in the pipe, what's what's coming to BYU and how he kind of projects the program going forward because we're coming off of a heck of a year. Got some great recruits coming in. Couldn't be more excited as a BYU fan. Stepping up my booster payments to the to the Cougar Club. So let's freaking get it done. And Hans, let's let's hear a little bit about what the future holds for these. I saw the the, the Corner Canyon quarterback decommitted from USC, which I would probably do too because Jackson Dart's going to run that show. But Maybe we can go out and get him and bring him in and have him carry us right into the Big 12. Well, Brown's a good quarterback, and I, I don't know where that recruitment stands with Brown. Jake, have you heard anything on that? So I, the decommitment from USC actually was not all that surprising if you talk to people in the, in the circles around high, Utah high school football. The, the thing is, this is not a kid who's from Utah. He, he came to Utah to play football due to the COVID-19 rules, uh, landed with Corner Canyon, was committed to USC, uh, but it does sound like he still has eyes to go out of state. But I do know that the, the programs in state have made an impression on him. I'm speaking of Utah. I'm th speaking of BYU. They have done their done their due diligence in reaching out to him. I I'm not going to say that necessarily he is going to stay in state, but the impressions that both Utah and BYU have made on that young man actually, ha actually have him considering maybe staying here longer term than he originally planned. Outside of that, Jaron Hall right now is a COVID sophomore, a true mm -hmm. junior. Uh, and he is eligible to go into the NFL. I, I would say that your assessment on NFL draft pool for quarterbacks this year is, is pretty accurate. I, 
I don't think it's I don't think it's the the mix that we've seen in some years past. I don't know if Jaron Hall is a draftable quarterback. If if he was a draftable draftable quarterback, it be it'd be down the list quite a ways. Not down the list, but down the uh, the draft order quite a ways. Jaron Hall's got to make that decision. I have not heard one way or the other, um, other than the 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 crew that was talking about their conversation with with Jaron, where he kind of hoed and hummed mm-hmm. about what decision he he was going to make, but. As of right now, I expect Jaron Hall back with BYU. I do too. I, I do wonder a little bit if there are coaching changes, then I could see those coaching changes maybe playing a, a part in his decision. That would change the, the conversation, no doubt. At least it, it feels like that. So, you know, you got to watch for those 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 coaching decisions and some of the coaching announcements. Outside of that, we saw Jacob Conover come in as a, a high-level recruit. We saw him for a brief moment uh, in this season. He definitely was not ready to step on the field and, and take any type of substantial reps, but I know he's a kid that this coaching staff likes. If Jaron Hall did leave, maybe then that's the opportunity to hand things over to Baylor Romney. Baylor has been that go-to, and he's stayed ready, and I think that under Aaron Roderick, Baylor Romney could be a very good quarterback. Well, he's proven he can be a pretty good quarterback in yeah. his spot duties that he's had. Yep. I think he could be a very good starting quarterback. And then the other one you talk about is Soljay Maeva. And Soljay was, was well behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conover and Soljay were both well behind Baylor and Jaron Hall. But you still have some quarterbacks in the mix it would still be a good quarterback battle. There's one other name to keep an eye on. It's the transfer from Boise State. Cade Fennigan is his name. Uh, he he transferred in. He's been sitting out this year. He actually, with the whole transfer rules, he actually missed the deadline to be immediately eligible this year. He's been running the scout team. I've actually heard very positive things about him. Still probably is not necessarily going to enter the mix right away, but he is a name to keep an eye on down the road for BYU. So there's just a, a look at the quarterbacks uh, for that caller and you know the some of the other depth there there might be some concerns where BYU lost so much last year mm-hmm. and if if there were a few guys that were were made the decision to leave like Tyler Algier I fully expect Algier to leave um I I I expect Katoa to probably move on down the road and and get other parts of his life started he's a Kova Jr., but he's a true senior. And, you know, I, I would expect James Impey, obviously, to go. There there are a, a few guys that have made a huge difference in this season Yes, that I expect to go. I think Gunnar Romney's probably gone. Um, Neil Powell likely to bolt as well. Neil Powell, he's probably gone. So you're going to have to have some guys step up and, and do big things. But – you know, I'm really not too worried about it because in, in a year where we saw so many guys vacate for the NFL last year, at first I started to panic a little bit, but by the time I got to camp and then through camp, I was predicting a nine-win season for BYU. Mm-hmm. It, it was it, That really came down to some of the guys that we saw were in, in, the, uh, in the mix for reps and also, some of the talent at the specialty positions on the offensive side of the ball, Puka Nakua and Samson Nakua coming back to BYU, and 
Isaac Rex returning off of a freshman All-American sure. uh, season. So I'm not too worried. I'm not overly worried about it. I, what I would say to that caller is the the biggest effect that will be had on any of these guys is if Kalani Sataki is back mm-hmm. or if he's not back. That that in that's just just hypothetical. If Kalani were to bolt, you're going to see a lot of guys say, "Okay, I'm not looking to reset under a new coaching staff." And they likely they were sitting on the fence. They probably opt to jump at that point and see what they can land. But if Kalani Sataki comes back. There are guys who are going to have a big decision to make. Can they come back and run it back another time and maybe go for another 10 wins next year with BYU? And, man, 21-3 and three hands. That's what BYU's record is over the last few years. They yeah. are 21-3 and three under Kalani Sitaka. It's a pretty darn impressive run. Yeah, and if you want to make it even more impressive, go back to 2019 when Aaron Roderick took the reins in the mm-hmm. Boise State game. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, since Aaron Roderick has yeah. called plays, going back to 2019, they've lost three games. Correct, yeah. And, you you know, you saw in that final drive to get in for the touchdown, you saw some some really brilliant concepts. You saw some brilliant concepts in that first drive, perfect run-pass mix in that first drive to get seven points on the board, to make it a 7-3 to three game. It was a It was an excellent – mix that ended up in a in a throw to Puka Nakua for the touchdown but in order to get them into the red zone and get them into scoring position you had a couple of Tyler Algier runs mixed in with a couple of quick dunk passes and then mixed in with the Puka Nakua touchdown catch Aaron Roderick you know I'll, I'll go a little bit further with him so there were so many times in this game where your cadence and your hurry-up offense and your rhythm changed. It fluctuated. And I can't and, – and what there was one where they caught USC completely on their heels, uh-huh. Jake, where I, I want to say it was a fourth and one or maybe a third and one or fourth and one where BYU quickly got to the line, snapped the ball, Jaron Hall, QB sneaked it, and picked up the first down Correct. because USC wasn't even close to lining up. Yeah, Those things come from your offensive coordinator. And those things give offensive linemen and quarterbacks and everybody on the offense, it gives you so much um, confidence in, in your offense. It gives you so much confidence in your ability to, to convert to score when you know you've got this bag of of momentum tricks Mm -hmm. of you know pace tricks of the game and if you can use that it keeps defensive linemen on their heels just like a good cadence correct or a a snap count change up just like screens or draws keep defensive linemen honest when you've got pace like that it keeps a defensive lineman honest, and it keeps you exhausted because you're trying to hurry to the line because you don't want to be the idiot on film that is four yards in the backfield trying to get yourself up to the line of scrimmage when that ball is snapped, which which is exactly what happened against USC. So Aaron Roderick has been just over the moon impressive since taking over play calling. And duties. that's the thing about this. We, we talk a lot about Kalani Sitake uh, drawing a lot of interest. 
Guys like Aaron Roderick are going to draw a lot of interest because you don't have the success he's had running BYU's offense for the better part of three years now and not have athletic directors and other coaching staffs take note and say, hmm, I wonder if he could do that for us. It'd be very interesting. Uh, hands, uh, let's take a time out here. We'll come back, uh, hoping to have postgame audio. But we do need to talk about something that I, I, I knew – BYU had a chance at doing this, but they actually accomplished it today. Hands, have you heard anything about the? Have you heard about the no loss November uh, thing that BYU had going? Yeah, we'll ta- we'll talk about this. This is a very impressive month across BYU athletics. We'll run down the records for the BYU athletic department during this month. We'll get to more of that. This is your Cougar post game show, brought to you by our friends over at JCWs, as well as our friends at TryDayTrading.com. And Hands, I, I, I got to say, I have been enjoying the salads of JCWs all year long. You know what I mean? I've been on a kind of weight loss journey this year. And oh, yeah. Those salads have been like my life blood. it feels like, there at JCWs. They've been absolutely phenomenal. Really good. The salads are really good. And, um, you know, you, you, can, you can eat as healthy as you want at JCWs, and you can just get out you flat can, out to the taste. I, I was going to say, you, 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 know, you can do whatever you, you, you want. That juicy, fresh-pressed burger. Mm. Never frozen. Their hamburger is a fresh-pressed, never-frozen burger. And it, it goes right from the refrigerator to the press onto the grill, and they throw some big, thick-cut pieces of cheese that melt into it. And you got a big, you know, nice thick layer of mayo. I, I like to put just a little bit of fry sauce on my burgers. You got that chopped up lettuce mm-hmm. and the onion rounds and all the different burger selections. Throw a little pastrami on it, a little bacon on it. Whatever you like with your burger, they've got it. And then I had the chili cheese fries tonight. Loads of chili, loads of cheese on top of that. those those crisp, yummy fries. It's a great eating experience every time you go to jcw's yeah it's, it's great stuff also our friends at trydaytrading.com if you want to give the day trading market a try you got a really simple solution hands 10 bucks you can get into the market and literally see how it works and see if it's the right option for you ten dollars puts you in the market for 30 days you get the coaching they put resources into you they take time with you and for 30 days you get to trade with funny money in the live trading market and you get to see how you can make the money People ask me, is that legit? Is it really a way you can make money? Look, you're going to get to see it mm-hmm. firsthand for yeah. 10 bucks. Yeah, and the best part is that 10 bucks actually goes right back to charity. Yeah, right back to charity. But you get the proprietary software and the coaching and everything that comes with it so you can see how you can make money in that day trading market. All right. Uh, thanks to JCWs and try, try day trading. The clock is at zero, and it's time to break down today's game. This is your Cougar postgame show, presented by JCWs and Tri-Day Trading on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Nakua, they didn't give it to him this time. That same sort of action haul instead to the end zone. Caught, touchdown! And it's a different Nakua. Fake it to the older brother, throw it to the younger brother, Puka. Touchdown, BYU. Welcome back to your Cougar Post Game Show here on the Zone Sports Network. Jake Hatch, Hans Olsen, recapping the 35-31 victory for BYU at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. And Hans, uh, we actually need to acknowledge this, I feel like. Uh, Tyler Algier on the season now has 1,409 yards rushing. Uh, of course, has the 20 touchdowns. But that mark right there, the 1,409 yards rushing, it is the second most in a single season all time 
only outdone by Luke Staley in 2001. If Tyler Algier goes absolutely bonkers in the BYU's bowl game, he's 174 yards away from breaking Luke Staley's single-season rushing mark. How many? 1,409 yards <clears throat> currently. Luke Staley holds the record with 1,582 in 2001. So in the bowl game, if Tyler Algier can pick up 175 yards, he will set a new single-season rushing record for BYU. Oh, boy. Um, wow. That's that's interesting. Uh, I would love to see them press it. If it is against Texas San Antonio, I think that that could be possible. Um, you know, these bowls, some of the competition will step up in these mm-hmm. bowls. Don't know, don't know if, uh, if they're going to have a shot at the New Year's Six, but – I give that less than a 15% chance of happening, but still an incredible season. Yeah, it, it, it should not be overlooked. 20 touchdowns, over 1,400 yards on the year. It's absolutely incredible what Tyler Algier has done this year. And also, hands. I mentioned this before the break. Uh, BYU has now accomplished uh, their no-loss November. So let's run this down real quick. And legitimately, this is crazy. So BYU football in the month of November went 3-0. They had the wins over Idaho State, Georgia State, and, of course, USC tonight. The men's basketball program now 6-0. They beat the University of Utah tonight, uh, 74-65 up there at the Huntsman Center. So a nice win in the rivalry game for the men's basketball program, who's ranked 18th. Women's basketball just went down to St. Petersburg hands and beat two ranked opponents, Florida State number 17 in the country and the West Virginia today number 22. They're 7-0 on the season. Women's volleyball this month made a perfect run through the West Coast Conference, completing a 16-0 conference record with a 7-0 record this month. And then women's soccer advancing to their first Final Four today via a 4-1 victory over South Carolina, completing a 6-0 month in their own right. BYU sports are on an absolute tear right now. Good for them, man. A good month. Good month. That is a combined record of, let's see, 14, 20, 26, 29 and 0 between those five teams. And I'm just kind of only interested in one or two of those. Sure, but, I, but it, it, just the, the overall breakdown is actually, I, I thought it was something worth mentioning here. All right, uh, so hands, a couple other things uh, before we wrap things up here. I wanted to get your thoughts on what uh, BYU, in terms of the passing game, did in this game. We saw Keanu Hill, who had a very strong second half of the season, step up once again. He had a big touchdown reception in the second half of this game from Jaron Hall. Uh, You and I actually rewound that play. Jaron Hall threw that ball from the 50-yard line, about 53, 54 yards in the air, dropped it right in stride to Keanu Hill for that touchdown. Yeah, right in the basket, over, over the top of, of one one fallback defender yeah. and, and just underneath an over-the-top defender. And uh, it was one of the more impressive throws I've seen from Jaron. Probably the most impressive throw because there was a touch of pressure coming off the he took a hit. the left side of, of that defensive line. So mm-hmm. you had a little bit of pressure. You had um, you had the right coverage. If that defender falls back into that bracket, you've sure. got the right coverage. But it was so well placed, and I think even Keanu Hill was when that thing landed in his hands was looking at it like, "Huh, where'd that come from?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, hey!" I think rain down from heaven. <laughs> yeah. it, it was such a deep ball and and so beautifully thrown. Um, I thought that the passing game was was good. I thought it was good. 
I think it could have been a lot better. You know, you got to take away the two interceptions. Mm -hmm. You cannot have a miscommunication between your quarterback and your receiver on a dig route or an out route. That that'll cost you as it did. And then I, I, I would love to hear Jaron Hall's explanation of what he saw on that pass, that deep ball that he threw into into double coverage, and and kind of underthrew it right into the interception. Was that second down that he threw that on? Uh, I'm trying to remember what that was. On that I think play. it was second because I remember thinking, man, if he just takes the tackle, then, you know, now you're looking at third, maybe 12 or third and 13, and, and that's not undoable. You know, that's that's something that this team could probably fight against. But um, I was a little bit disappointed in that interception. Outside of that, I – Outside of that, I just think um, I just think that the passing game was pretty dang good. Yeah, could have been better. Uh, I've got one question, and I, I kind of went into um, some of the reasons for the up tempo. But somebody just tweeted at me and said, "One question: Why go up tempo?" And I just went I just went into detail a little bit into detail why you go up tempo. Going up tempo just keeps the defense on their heels. It doesn't allow the defense to make any personnel adjustments. Mm -hmm. It doesn't allow the defense to get a a clean play call in. It doesn't allow the defense to get set and recognize formations. It doesn't – so, okay, so I don't want to go too basic on this to really simplify it. But in the world of offense, you know what's going on. The defense doesn't. I've played on both sides. I've played the offensive line and the defensive line. Mm -hmm. When I played the offensive line, and I played it after I'd played defense for about 12 years, when I played the offensive line, I was like, holy cow, this is so much easier because <laughs> I know when the ball snaps and I know what the play is. When you go up tempo and you know when the ball snaps and what the play is, it gives you all the advantage on short yardage. Up tempo is huge when it's used correctly, yeah. and Aaron Roderick uses it correctly. It's not always up tempo. It's some huddle. But when you need the up-tempo, it's there, and it's clean, and it's crisp. And they do it just enough that they don't get lost in their own up-tempo, except for <clears throat> one offside, one false start. Yeah. Well, two false starts, but, but the, the, one false start that was critical. The, the, the tempo, though, it, it keeps the defense off balance because you mentioned the fact that you played on both sides. The one advantage any offensive player has is they know the snap count. The defense is just reacting. Yeah. So when you when you hustle up, snap a play, and then then you back off a little bit and go back into a huddle, the defense is just kind of caught in like this lurch mode. It feels like they, all of a sudden they're like they're used to like having to hurry up and play. Then all of a sudden you slow it down. They're like, whoa, that 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 just threw me for a loop. And it's actually an advantage that BYU has used, I think, to great effect. You mentioned Aaron Roderick. There are times, yes, he will press on the gas and they get up there and they snap the ball quick and they just keep going and going and going. Yeah. Other times. They kind of play at a more plodding pace, and it just keeps the defense off balance. It's actually a really, really nice wrinkle that BYU has deployed. Uh, the the other the other thought behind it um, is if you get a personnel matchup that you like, mm-hmm. then you can ride with that personnel matchup to hurry back to the line of scrimmage. You don't allow them to. You you don't allow the defense to to, exactly. to substitute because the rules are are written as such. If an offensive team substitutes, that gives the defense an opportunity to substitute themselves. Tempo, you keep going. As you mentioned, you find that advantage. You don't substitute. You hurry to the line and keep going. All of a sudden, the defense is caught off guard, and you have a schematic advantage. It, it, it's to your 
benefit in that right. in that circumstance. All right, well, Hans, as we round things out here, is there anything else you feel like we haven't touched on tonight that we need to shout out before we call it an evening? No, I think we've gone through it. You know, there so many big moments where BYU takes three points back off the board and takes a fourth and one, gives it to Algier. He goes right up the gut. And he goes right up the gut. And then Algier did it again, broke some tackles, went up the gut, and and was able to find the end zone. You know, to be able to overcome two interceptions that, that were thrown by Jaron Hall and continue to fight back. Um, I do really want to emphasize both Mahe and Hayes were game savers in that final defensive stand. Mm-hmm. Big props to Mahe for coming off a kind of a downhill slide where you're caught up in a wash and you fight against the pressure, get back into the the gap that was really opening. And if he wouldn't have got back in that gap, you're probably looking at fourth and one. Sure. Or maybe you're looking at first down. Maybe first down potentially, yeah. But then Hayes stepping up on a quick slant and stopping that thing one yard short of your first yeah. down. Fourth and five, you let it only go to four yards. It was awesome. Yeah. That, that's just a great way to finish. I'm proud of this BYU team. I'm really proud of this coaching staff. Uh, I'm happy for BYU fans. And now we all wait with bated breath to see if BYU does get some type of bowl nomination. Otherwise, we're probably looking at BYU in the Independence Bowl against a, a an 11-1 University of Texas San Antonio Conference USA team, which is not the best. But they, they uh, correct me if I'm wrong, no, they'll, they take the best Conference USA team, right? Because they'll have a Conference USA championship game. Correct. There is a Conference USA championship game. Correct. So so Western Kentucky will play against UTSA. Based on what I understand, so yes. So does the Independence Bowl take the champion or do they take best team? So far as I know, I believe it is the champion of the Conference USA will play oh. in that Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. And don't ask me why I know the name of the sponsor, but I do. Oh, so. <laughs> tell me that it's not going to be Western Kentucky. Texas San Antonio, I just can't believe that they lost this game. Uh, to North Texas. Hans, you want to you know all I know about Western Kentucky at this moment? I know one thing about them. Their quarterback is named Bailey Zappi. He is a transfer from Houston Baptist at the FCS level. He has passed for nearly 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns this year. For Western Kentucky? Yes, that's uh, all I know about them. Those aren't terrible numbers. Yeah, but that's all I know. <laughs> North Texas, a 5-6 and six team, uh-huh. found a win against and UTSA. And they blew them out. 45-23, if I'm not mistaken, was the score. Well, I know UTSA, there's a reason that why they were – undefeated and ranked all the way down at 22. Sure. Because they didn't play a single ranked team. Mm-hmm. They didn't put up big gaudy scores against a lot of garbage teams. They did put up some big scores against a couple of teams. Um, they did play Western Kentucky once uh, in, the, in the middle of that season, beat them 52-46. to 46. But we all sit back now and wait to see what BYU's bull fate is. Please let it be better than Western Kentucky. In that would be ideal. I'm with you on that. But we will sit back and wait. I am hoping I'm with you, Hans. I hope ESPN, the Big 12, somebody out there pulls some strings and gets BYU into a better bowl game. But if it's going to be their Independence Bowl, give the Cougars UTSA. Have a 10-2 have a ranked team against the 11-1 team. Probably is going to fall out of the national rankings or the college football playoff rankings after that loss. But – an 11-1 and one team is better than, yeah, Western Kentucky, UAB, some of these other teams there in the Conference USA. 
All right, well, that is going to do it. Uh, it's been a fun regular season, Hands. We get to do this one more time, though. We will do this when that bowl game does come around. As it stands, the Independence Bowl is scheduled for December 18th. It'll be a Saturday. Uh, hoping that BYU plays a little later in the bowl season, but we will just have to sit back and wait with, as you mentioned, bated breath to see mm -hmm. where everything shakes out. All right, well, uh, for Hands, I'm Jake. A big thank you to all of you. Thank you to Jeremy Moss for sticking with us all evening long. We had pregame starting at, at 5 o'clock. Jeremy, were you along for the ride the entire way? Did you just hang out at the studio from 5 o'clock on? Essentially, I grabbed some food. I live too far away, so yeah. Okay, well, there you go. So, yeah, so it's been a long, long day, a fun day of football. Let's be clear about that, Hands. There's been a lot of good football today overall. A lot of great football, a lot of great rivalry games, mm -hmm. and a lot of solid outcomes where you're looking at overtimes or final drives for big wins, a lot of hard-fought football. Uh, it, this was one of those days that one of our listeners said he sat on his couch all day and watched it. Yeah. You know, I, 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 start, I opened up the TV at 10 o'clock. Yep. And here we are at one twenty, one twenty a.m. Still, still calling games. So it it was it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. But we will get to do this one more time. Obviously, looking forward to that. And I just want to thank our sponsors once again, JCWs, as well as our friends at TridayTrading.com. It's been a fantastic year once again at JCWs. They've been with us for man, maybe close to a decade now. It feels like they've been around for a long time. And um, I I hope that they know how much we love and respect them and. And love their great food because it's unmatched. Mm -hmm. their, their burgers are unmatched. It's it's the best classic burger in the state of Utah. It's the best classic sit down, enjoy your meal. This isn't. I would. You can drive through and pick up your food. Yes. To me, it's not a drive through place. This is you. You come in. You bring your date. It's quality food. Yet you, you plan for 35, 45 minutes to sit down and enjoy every single bite. I mean, mm -hmm. I take every bite serious. Of that JCW's burger. Yeah, also TridayTrading.com. Ryan and the crew, uh, they've been with us for quite a while as well. You guys, Hans and Scotty, you, your show is there quite often, talking with Ryan and the guys over there. Their office is just over here in Lehigh, but they're so good to us. They, they've done absolutely marvelous things for the station and appreciate their patronage as well. All right, well, that's going to do it. So, once again, for Hans, I'm Jake. And then for Jeremy, thank him for hanging along for the ride behind the glass up there in our studios in Salt Lake City. That's going to do it for this Cougar Post Game Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Good night. Slow.